It's the Matt Collins Show. It's the Matt Collins Show. Woohoo! Yes, yes. Hello, hello. Welcome to a special 420 edition of the Matt Collins Show. Uh, this is episode five of the Matt Collins Show. Uh, still thinking of what to title this episode. I'm considering something like um, a brother, a friend, a spiritual awakening, or something like that. I don't know. You'll know by the time you you hear this. Um, right now it's 1.42 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I'm located here on 42020. It's 420 all month long. Today is the actual 420. And my goal is to have this podcast recorded and uh, produced and released and available to listen to by 420. So I got to get my shit together. I just got done going through my notes um, and I, I feel really good about it. Today's episode, uh, there is no guest. It's just story time with me. Story time with me. Uh, turns out these high holidays, 419 and 420, uh, yesterday being Bicycle Day, of course, the, the psychedelic holiday, the day in 1943 when uh, chemist Albert Hoffman of Sandoz Labs uh, took his first or took the, the world's, the universe's first ever intentional dose of LSD, which is, of course, the compound he synthesized in his lab. Um, he rode home on his bicycle. Uh, it was during the war, of course, and so uh, there were uh, people were uh, sacrificing by riding bicycles and not using their automobiles, and uh, so you know all the, everything could go toward the war effort. So he rode his bicycle home and and had quite a trip. Um, I'm, I I don't really know the the story well enough to tell it for you. You can you can certainly look it up uh, if you if you want to know more about that. Let's see what what else. It's uh, it's the high holidays. It's such a psychedelic time. Like springtime is awfully psychedelic. Uh, coronavirus is obviously going on, and gosh, that's psychedelic. I've talked about this before. How it's uh, the thing that's kind of uh, bringing us together in a way where I don't think any of us has felt closer to each other uh, right now than than ever before in history. Um, people, people are, are like, we can, it's obvious how, how closely we are connected. Uh, it's obvious how much this idea that we are separated from each other is an illusion. Um, it's, it's really interesting to see that because it's, it's, that's exactly what the psychedelic realm teaches us. And that's what bicycle day is all about. Uh, this time around, uh, I've just been continuing to do the, the microdosing thing. I took sort of a museum concert dose yesterday. It is, uh, in my opinion, for me, it's just not necessary to go on a full-blown uh, psychedelic, like five dried grams in silent darkness trip at this time. Uh, the world is psychedelic enough right now. There are lessons to be learned just from just sitting around and, and being right now that you wouldn't get in normal times. Um, so yeah, it, it was a good 419. I spent a lot of the day thinking about what I was going to talk about today on this podcast. Um, 419 is an especially heavy day for me. Um, <laughs> it was, boy, it was a really interesting weekend this time around. Um, I got into a fight with the neighbors. Um, I'm a person who does not uh, enjoy confrontation. I avoid it at all costs. And somehow I got into a fight with the neighbors, not a fist fight, just, just some verbal stuff, just some verbal stuff. I'm going to get more into that. That's, that's actually going to be woven into today's story time with Matt. Um, the new Fiona Apple album came out. 
Um, God, I love it. It's called Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Uh, or if you listen to the title song, it kind of sounds like she's singing Vegetable Cutters. Vegetable Cutters. I've been in here too long. Yeah, and how how prescient is that? This song that she's been working on is now um, <laughs> Fetch the Bolt Cutters. I've been in here too long. Um, obviously not about coronavirus, but uh, certainly that that sentiment is timely. Um, the album is amazing. She's been one of my favorite artists and songwriters long before she was taken seriously by 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 the uh, by by the critical cognoscenti or, or anyone. Um, a lot of us have thought she's she's been a genius this whole time, but now the world is kind of catching up. Um, I first got into her music when my parents got a computer in 1996 from the Gateway Company. They, you know, they had the boxes that were they looked like cowhide, black and white spots, and all that. Um, yeah, that that was something. Uh, and we got it hooked up to the internet and like that was the the computer in the house and I was just I was still living at home even though I had I had graduated from high school. I was commuting to college or you know whatever I was doing around that time. Living at home and one of the pieces of software we got with the computer in 1996 at the dawn of the internet uh, contained some bonus material. Uh, one of the pieces of bonus material was a video file of uh, the single from Fiona Apple's new album title. The single being uh, not criminal. The single that got me was Shadow Boxer, um, which to this day, I think is an awesome song. It is, in fact, one of two songs I know how to play and sing by heart on the piano. The piano, not my main instrument, of course, but I can sit down and play Shadow Boxer anytime. Um, that's, that's how much I love Fiona Apple and her music. Um, she has been one of my favorite songwriters since that time. Um, like, I've kind of checked out here and there with her music. Um, when I heard rumblings that a new album was approaching uh, about this time last year, I'd say I I started getting back into her music in a big way again. And it really struck me just how much I've been influenced by her. Like I hear her songs and then I hear, Oh my God, I ripped that off. I ripped that off. I ripped this off for this song, so on and so forth. So um, that was, that was certainly evidence to me like, Oh my God, she is Probably my, my, I don't know, she's in the top three of my songwriters who have influenced me, songwriters who have influenced me. Um, it's just so cool to see her evolution. Like she and I are roughly the same age. I believe she's 42. I'm 43. Um, and her first album came out when we were both like 19 years old. And now we're this age and like we both kind of don't give fucks anymore. And it's God, I love to see that. And it's so fucking inspiring. Um it kind of reminds me the most, this new Fiona Apple album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. It reminds me of Twin Peaks season three, when David Lynch came out with a brand new season of Twin Peaks after 25 years, and it was on Showtime, and it was just weird and amazing, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, and it was like, I remember paying attention to like TV people, creators and critics and, and that whole crew, writers and, and such. Um, and just all the talk around how, like, oh my God, you can do that? Holy shit, you can do that on TV? F- fuck it, everything is different now. I want to do that. Fuck whatever I've been working on. So that's kind of, uh, upon hearing Fetch the Bolt Cutters, the new Fiona Apple album, that's kind of how I feel about my music. It's sort of like, uh, it, it kind of lets me know I'm on the right track, basically. So that's encouraging. But it's also uh, letting me know that the bar is higher than I thought it was. Speaking of the uh, 
evolution of an artist. And on this album, she is just playful and funny and like all the emotions and all the ways of being. Whereas before, all the forces that controlled her career pigeonholed her into being the sad girl, the sullen girl. And yes, of course, she wrote a song called Sullen Girl. But like she's more, so much more than that. Like she's a weirdo, a goofball, a rascal. Um, and I've always suspected that. And it's now just come fully to the surface on the new album. Um, let's see. I love that the album was released now instead of in October. A lot of major artists are pushing their releases back to when they assume they're going to be able to go on promotional tours and go on all the talk shows and do all the usual shit. Um, and I get that. I get that. Yeah. It's, it's God, it's awful. You had this big marketing plan, this big promotional plan that's like, fuck the, the world just is not conducive to doing that anymore. So let's push it back to October, the fall when, when this things have settled down and maybe we can go on some talk shows again. Uh, Fiona Apple's like, fuck it. I'm releasing it now. And look what happened. Like, she's gotten the best press of her life, a 10 out of 10 on Pitchfork. Um, it's all anybody in the music world can talk about uh, is her new album. I don't think that would have happened if she waited to release it when everybody else is waiting to release theirs. So good for her. Um, she's also, she's been a master social distancer for years and years. Um, I've admired that about her. Um, so she's sets such a great example. Um one thing she did recently, she was approached and she made a video about this and posted it on social media through her, her friend's account or something like that. But she was approached by a company to have one of her songs licensed for a commercial or a TV show or a movie or something. And her initial response was like, oh, no, 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 not. No, I'm not licensing it for that. No, sorry. Tell them no. And she thought about it for a second. And this is like around the time coronavirus started coming around and like it's starting to get a little scary because like people are getting really sick. People are we're hearing about people dying now. And she said, fuck it. I'm going to license that song because it's money I don't have to work for that I, I'm i going to donate the money to support the response to coronavirus. Like, it's free money. I don't have to work for it. Who am I to say, no, you can't use my song because that would not be good for my brand to be associated with your brand. Fuck that. Like, yes, give me that money. That is just going to sit in your, your company's coffers anyway. Give me that money so I can use it to support uh, coronavirus for relief. And so she, she implored other artists to do the same. Don't be Johnny Hipster over there. Okay, like license your songs. If somebody wants to give you money to be in a, a Depends commercial, uh, to be in a, a whatever commercial, yes, take it. Even if you're Radiohead, uh, have Karma Police play in a in a hemorrhoid gel commercial. That would be great because then you can donate the money to coronavirus relief. And I don't think your artistic reputation will be harmed in the least if you did that. So, um, wow, what an amazing stance for her to take. Like, fuck it. Sell out. Use the money to support people uh, with what's going on right now. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your cool factor is. Um so that's pretty cool. And I love that she presented it not just as a, as a lecture to her fa uh, fellow artists, but as a, she said, you know, my first response is, no, 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 no. I'm too cool for school. A Fiona Apple song does not belong in this, uh, whatever it was, but and she had a change of heart about it. So um, what an amazing person, an inspirational artist. I love the new album. You'll love it too. It's called Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Um, let's see. Okay. So that's the album review. Um, 
I'm going to tell more of my story today, specifically how I got here to Albuquerque, how these holidays affect me, uh, why the month of April is so heavy and significant. Um, Jesus, I've been feeling manic and creative and uh, like getting the podcast done last week. First, the first four episodes out, it's just feeling amazing. And then after I got those episodes out, I kind of went through a 24 hour cycle of feeling pretty low, pretty depressed. Um, and then, uh, like I got worked up again and there was the thing that happened on Saturday, two days ago, uh, with the neighbors, which we'll talk about later and whew, just, uh, and a lot to work through with, um, all the stuff I'm about to tell you about today in, in story time with Matt. Um, before we get into it and close out the introduction, I just want to let you know the podcast is doing great. Uh, thanks to you. Thank you so much for listening and downloading. Thank you for rating it. Um, it is on Apple Podcasts now, so uh, rate and review the podcast if you like it. Uh, th- those things really help a lot. They, it helps spread the word and get the podcast to a, an even larger audience. But I'm really impressed with the download numbers so far. People are listening. It's, it's, it's pretty fucking great, and I really, really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for getting us here. Um, To learn more about me, uh, listen to episode one of this podcast. If you haven't listened to the other episodes, uh, go and listen to all of them. I'm I'm really happy with all of them. They're all great. I've interviewed Jason and Melissa Katinger of Mary Dean. That was episode two. I interviewed Melissa Rios. That's episode three. I, I interviewed Kira Holt. That's episode four. I'll be doing more interviews soon. Um, but I think for now it's going to be just me talking. At least that's what it's going to be for today. Uh, it's interesting when I released the most recent episode, I, I wondered, God, that's all done now. Um, all these episodes are out now. These interviews I had been sitting on, what am I going to talk about for episode five? Well, it didn't take me long to come up <laughs> with stuff to talk about. Uh, okay, so yes, go to the website, mattkolloch.com, M-A-T-T-K-O-L-L-O-C-K.com, M-A-T-T-K-O-L-L-O-C-K.com. Sign up for the email list. Check out the blog, um, poke around, um, stuff like that. Hey, how about that theme song for the podcast? That is available wherever you listen to music. It's uh, I released it as a single, my first single, in fact, so... Uh, check it out, stream it, download it, buy it. It's on streaming services I had never heard of before. It's on streaming services in countries that I, I where they have their internet walled off and I can't even access it to see, <laughs> to update my profile, but people in those countries can stream it and download it. So it's out there. It's on TikTok. I haven't checked to see if I can find it yet, but I'm going to do that. So um, check that out. Uh, follow me on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your music. Uh, if you want to support the podcast and everything I'm doing, uh, this podcast is, is I love making it. Uh, it's, not, it's not free to produce, although it will always be free to listen to. If you want to support my efforts in the music making and the podcasting, the blogging and everything else I'm doing, I'm, I just keep creating and creating, friends. I'm going to do it no matter what. But uh, I can do even more of it and possibly uh, quit the old day job. <laughs> uh, the more support I get, I, I want to get to that. Uh, what Kevin Kel- Kevin Kelly describes as the the concept of one thousand true fans. If you have one thousand fans who each give you one hundred dollars over the course of the year, you have a hundred thousand dollars, and that's a pretty nice income. So I would take five hundred true fans. So um, that's where Patreon really comes into play. Uh, we I really want to get those uh, pa- pa- Patreon numbers up and build the community over there. I I release all sorts of uh, special exclusive uh, material 
over there behind the scenes stuff. Uh, interviews I post over there before they're released in the podcast here. Um, so it's worth it. Um, if you sign up at the $5 level specifically, you get to hear extra podcast goodies. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash Matt Colic to support me over there. I would really, really appreciate that. So yeah, um, today's episode, I'm using... Um, if you've noticed, the, the sound quality in the introduction sounds a bit different. My voice sounds a bit different. It's because I'm using a different microphone. This is um, an Audio-Technica AT2020. Uh, I think they call it a large diaphragm condenser mic, but it's really a, a medium diaphragm at best. <laughs> so anyway, not getting into gear talk, but this is the same microphone. I think I bought this back in 2008, 2009. For the per first podcast I did, which was the Blackout Podcast with Guns and Pity, I was me when I went by the name Guns Bacardi and my friend Kathy, who went by the name Pity Pathetic. Those were our podcast names, our podcast handles. Uh, so this isn't my first podcast. Um, I brought this mic out today for a special reason, because um, yesterday, 419, of course, was uh, Bicycle Day and... Um, has special significance with me and uh, my co-host on that podcast. So I'm recording it using that microphone. I'm going to take you back um, to that time, uh, to the time of the Blackout podcast, which was a, a podcast about the TV show Flash Forward, which only ran for one season. We never ended up covering the, the whole season, never ended up even watching the whole season, um, mostly ended up talking about lost instead because that's what we really wanted to talk about that but but there were so many lost podcasts um so i want to take you back to that time and and take you from there to here and make some interesting stops along the way um it's pretty interesting ah yeah and this microphone's been with me the whole time wow wow how about that it's, it's a quality microphone if you're getting into recording like this is like they, it's almost like this is the microphone everybody gets when they realize they need to uh, get like a large medium diaphragm condenser microphone for better audio quality with doing vocals or acoustic guitar or what have you. Um, it's like a $99 microphone. Like everybody's got one of these. I think Jason of Mary Dean also has one of these. Um, there must be millions of these fuckers out there. So that's what I'm talking into right now. Um, I'm going to talk about 10-year cycles that happen, seem to happen on the three ages. I'm 43 now, 10 years ago during the Blackout podcast. Um, I was 33, of course, and 10 years you know, before that, 23, and so on and so forth. Um, I'm going to tell you how I got to New Mexico from Wisconsin, uh, talking about Lost and Flash Forward. I lived in an RV in a motorhome for a year in between living in Wisconsin and New Mexico. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my codependency issues. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my uh, spiritual awakening and my reemergence as a musical artist. Um, that's happened in this last 10-year cycle, and now a new cycle is beginning where I'm going to take that thing forward, and that's very exciting. Um, you know, I thought for a while I was going to be, before I was like, duh, I'm supposed to be doing music for a while. I thought I'm going to be an author and I'm going to call myself M. Henry Colick. My middle name is Henry. And so I thought M. Henry Colick would be a good author name to have. And I like even started like, like charting out, um, outlining a novel and like, God, I fucking hated it. I hate writing. I, I like, as Vince Gilligan, the creator of Breaking Bad, often says, 
he hates writing. He loves having written something. That's, uh, that's how I feel. Um, it's just not good enough for me. And I don't think I'm good enough as a writer to, to have a career like that. So I'm glad I dropped that, that persona. Um, that happened shortly after my spiritual awakening, which occurred about at the, about the midway point of this last 10 year cycle. Um, Mostly I'm going to talk, well, not mostly, but uh, my brother, John, um, my brother, John plays heavily into this. He plays heavily into my personal myth of bicycle day and what that means, uh, my psychedelic story and what that means. Um, this is largely a story about my brother, John today. Um, I talk about being estranged from my family, which I was for quite some time, um, quite some time before this last 10 year cycle. Um, I'm going to talk about mushrooms. We're going to talk about, uh, as the kids say, magic mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms. So, and their role in my life, my awakening, and uh, how, what I'm doing today. So that's what we got today, guys. I'm going to take a short break to uh, just take a sip of water, and uh, before I get in, get into the next segment, um, stay tuned. Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Matt Collick Show. Ah, today is 4 2020. Um, I wanted to get this podcast recorded yesterday so I could have 420 to just do 420 types of things, but uh, I'm doing it now on 420. So I'm kind of putting off all the festivities until I can get this done. But I do want to take my time with the story because I think it's fun and important. Fun. Why was fun the first word I used to describe it? Not that's not the best word, but uh, there's certainly fun in it. Anyway, I digress. Today is 420. It kind of smells like Blue Dream in here. Blue Dream being my favorite strain of cannabis. It's just right there in the middle. I don't care that it's like uh, so mainstream. It's like the, uh, what is it? The Katy Perry of cannabis strains, basically. <laughs> Something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like the imagined dragons of cannabis strains. <laughs> it does not match my taste in music, my taste in cannabis, but it just works. It just works, friends. So that's, uh, I've had a little bit of that. I've got, a, some, I've got some cannabis chocolate I'm going to get into later. Ten years ago today was 4-2010. Um, I was living in Middleton, Wisconsin. My address was in Cottage Grove, Wisconsin. I was living with some friends over there after I'd gotten evicted from my apartment. Um, but then I ended up hanging out with this woman named Kathy in her apartment in Middleton, Wisconsin, on the other side of the city of Madison, the state capital of Wisconsin. Um Halfway through my 33rd year, my Jesus year, <laughs> um, we were recovering, Kathy and I, from the previous night's bad trip. Um, she had had a fine trip. She ended up basically babysitting me, who had taken too much and like couldn't handle it. It was, it was not good. It was just the second time I had ever done mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms. Uh, the first trip was really, really, really good. Um, just fun and funny and laughter and like feeling connected, nothing like super spiritual or uh, deep or no getting outside the body, getting outside of myself or ego death, certainly nothing like that on that first trip. Um, so a couple weeks later on 419, which at the time I didn't know anything <laughs> about it being bicycle day. 
uh, the psychedelic holiday. It was just 419, and it was uh, Kathy's 50th birthday. Kathy was about 16 and a half years older than me. Um, that first trip was good. The second trip, I did kind of approach the ego death, the getting outside of myself. I do remember kind of looking down on myself from the ceiling, and it was just it was just too much to handle. I was not prepared for it. I was with somebody who didn't quite understand what I was going through, which made it even more difficult. Uh, I was doing a lot of sweating, and I had kind of an incident. I walked to the kitchen, then I walked out, and then I kind of started panicking. Uh, panic attacks. Hey, that's a thing I go through. <laughs> Not so much anymore. Um, and I, I kind of, the world started swirling around and I fell over and I knocked a table over and went down hard. Um, got back up. It almost felt as if I was like having like a, not a seizure, but it just something happened where, where I just, my body just kind of failed for a second. I mean, it was just so weird and a little scary. Uh, but then Kathy got me up and got me over to the couch. And I remember there being basketball on um, the playoffs, which if coronavirus season weren't happening now, the playoffs would be happening now and the Milwaukee Bucks would be demolishing the competition. Uh, but the uh, the basketball kind of like watching that and like just the flow of the ball and uh, let's see who Oklahoma City Thunder were playing when when they had Kevin Durant I think is that possible that he was on that team back then I remember that and that kind of soothed me to a, a place where I could kind of ride it out for the next few hours and and get through it. Um, but it's it was Kathy's birthday and basically like she had a good time, but she did kind of have to take care of me. I remember I remember at a certain point having to tell her I'm not having the best time here. Um, and I thought it was just obvious to her for a while, but no, it was not. Um, and so she ended up kind of having to, to babysit me. And, and you know what? It, it was all all right. We got through it. And at the tail end, like every bad trip is like made into a good one at the end when you when you kind of get to calmer waters and just kind of float down the easy river and ah, you can breathe again. And life is starting to come back in, in the way that you expect it <laughs> and are familiar with it. That was our 419. That was Kathy's 50th birthday. And um, the next day, 420. So we're up, we're recovering, we're talking about um, the, the night and what happened and like what I went through and all that. Um, talking about her birthday. Hey, how was the birthday? We'll never forget this one, right? So, yeah, I'm um, talking about how eh, I'm probably not going to do mushrooms for a while. That was that was too, too much. And guess what? I, I didn't do mushrooms again until basically um, my spiritual awakening uh, five years later. So we're uh, sitting around smoking cannabis, feeling good, uh, talking about the show Flash Forward, probably talking about our last episode and when we're going to record the next one because we got to record one before the next episode airs. Got to keep the fans informed, um, all that and all that. Uh, thinking about getting the the microphone, this microphone I'm talking into right now set up. I get a call from my mom, which at the time was, uh, it was uh, it was not pleasant to see my mom showing up on the caller ID, my parents showing up on the caller ID, because I was very, very much estranged from my family. Um, 
My mom was upset on the phone, and she was basically upset every time she called at this time because I my life was not in a good place, and she uh, she didn't she didn't like that. It made her feel bad, uh, made me feel really bad, but it also made her feel bad. Um, and she revealed that my brother, the night before, the night I was having a shitty, shitty trip, my first bad trip on my second ever trip, she revealed that my brother had kind of a trip of his own. Um, he had an incident. He was a big rig driver, and he had to pull over to a, a truck stop because, uh, not a truck stop, a rest area because he just wasn't feeling right. Something he knew wasn't right. He pulled into the rest stop, uh, exited his truck, and I believe uh, he collapsed to the ground shortly thereafter. Um, and required medical attention immediately where he was rushed to the emergency room. Um, this was in northwestern Wisconsin. I was living in south central Wisconsin in Madison. My parents, where I was getting the call from, lived in central Arizona, far away. Um, my mom called to inform me that my brother had had this inc incident. Uh, basically, he had had a stroke, a seizure, uh, so something neurological, and he was being taken care of at the hospital in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Um, so yeah, this this was not good news. John was really the the one in my family, other than occasional check-ins with my parents. John was the only sibling of my my four siblings that I was kind of talking to or having any relationship with. The previous November, November 2009, 2009, 2009. That sounds better to call it 2009. Um, John offered to fly me and him out to Arizona to visit our parents, which was it was really nice and really sweet. And uh, that was the kind of brother he was, just a good, good, good person. Um, notice me saying he was. Uh, well, um, anyway... <sighs> We talked to, I talked to my mom and, uh, that obviously changed everything that day. Uh, no more 420 celebrations, uh, continued to smoke cannabis all day long, of course, but, um, I wasn't working at the time. Kathy wasn't working at the time. We were just kind of loafing about and figuring out how we were going to spend this money we got from, uh, her divorce settlement and a settlement I got from being in an auto accident. Um, yeah, and we got this call from my mom. My brother's in the hospital. It's not looking good. Uh, something's something's wrong, and my parents can't be there. I think my brother Mark had had visited briefly the 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 day my my brother John had gotten to the hospital, but I not having a job was able to go up the next day and just like basically stay up there. Kathy and I drove up. Stayed in Eau Claire and the rest of the family kind of filtered in and that's when the estrangement with my family basically ended. So yeah, feeling a lot of feelings in a bong haze. Kathy, uh, one of the, the gifts I got for her for her birthday was a bong um, and so we had been smoking that all day and just receiving this news about my brother. It was, uh, it was, it, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty wild. Um. Kathy and I, during this time, we had the podcast. Our lives were all about the show Lost, basically, all about television. We were watching Breaking Bad, which was in its like third season at the time. Um, we had been on a road trip together to Hilton Head um, and to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, this was just in my car. We just drove around the country and took time to do it and kept on extending it and kind of realized, oh, this is fun, like traveling together. Uh, we were not intimate companions. We were not romantic companions. Uh, we were just like like 
buddies. Uh, later, I learned that she wanted more, but I was just a, a, attracted to somebody who just really, really liked me and was doing nice things for me constantly and allowed me to crash at her place rent-free during a really troubling time of my life. Uh, she bought things for me. Um, these were all red flags, of course, but um, this was the way that she brought me into her fold. Uh, no, no, no. Strike that. I was never brought into a fold. Uh, this is the way that I was like kind of kept in her life. Um, and so she was my companion and I, I was kind of like there, there I was with her and that's how I was living my life. Uh, not really doing much of anything, living off of her her generosity um, and the settlement I had gotten for being in a car accident in her car. Uh, we would just sit and play poker and drink beer and smoke pot and watch TV and do the podcast. Um, but we had this idea that we were going to like, let's buy an RV. That was, that seed was planted by Breaking Bad, of course. Um, no secret. Uh, it's, it's no coincidence that I now live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where Breaking Bad is, of course, filmed and where it is set. So anyway, that's where I was in my life at the time I got that call from my mom. Uh, we drove up to Eau Claire, Wisconsin, uh, got to see my brother. Uh, it was really shocking to see him the way he was. He wasn't quite himself. He was, he was himself, but also just confused and not quite there. And eventually, you know, we learned it was stage four, a glioblastoma multiform, um, and it was terminal, uh, probably less than a year to live at that point. Um, and so it was a lot of adjusting to a new normal while adjusting to being reintegrated with my family and introducing them to this companion, this strange companion I now have, who was, she was very supportive and very, very, she ingratiated herself very, very well with the family. And um, there was trouble brewing under the surface, of course, those red flags I talked about. But for this, at this time, it was, boy, what a stew of emotions. Um we had stayed up in Eau Claire for some time, and then on the way back, we were driving back in the car, and we saw on the back roads that there was an RV for sale, a motorhome that um, it said like seventy nine ninety five, and the windshield seven thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars, which was about the price range we were talking about if we were going to actually buy an RV and travel around the country. We went and looked at it. Um, drove all the way back down to Madison and kind of talked about it. Uh, I had driven the thing, took it for a test drive, and we decided, you know, when we go back up to Eau Claire in a couple of days to see John again, we're going to buy that thing. So we did, and we drove it back to Middleton, and uh, the RV adventures began at the very same time when my brother was revealed to have a terminal brain tumor, major, serious, tragic very sad, but also the beginning of like one of my life's great adventures with one of the people who um, really truly means the, the most in terms of the effect they had on my life and what I did with all that time in my life. It's really an unforgettable time of my life uh, that year in the RV. Um, we went to uh, the finale of Lost, the series finale of the TV show Lost, which was our obsession at the time, both of us not working, just just being slobs and loafing around and watching Lost and podcasting about Lost under the guise of podcasting under some other shows, um, podcasting about some other show. Um, so we went out to um, 
California to Los Angeles to watch the series finale of Lost in the Orpheum Theater in downtown L.A. People from the show were there. I met some people from the show. I met L. Scott Caldwell, who plays uh, Rose of Rose and Bernard fame. (laughs) That was fun. I got my picture with her. I don't know what happened to that photo, sadly, but... uh, it was good. I remember us being the only ones, basically, who didn't stand up and applaud and give it a standing ovation at the end because, like, eh, it just kind of hit us, the ending of the show, the wrong way. As it did many people, as it turns out. Many fans were not satisfied with how it turns out. Um, I can tell you now, I, I love the ending of Lost. I made my peace with it and more than made my peace with it. But, gosh, that was weird. Sitting in that theater, being surrounded by that crowd and just... Holy shit, this is the end. This is it. It's over now. Um, We drove the RV out there and stayed at this RV park in the desert for like a week, maybe a week and a half, and had a rental car that we drove into the city to watch the finale and and like do stuff in L.A. Uh, We drove the RV out uh, through Arizona and uh, went to the Grand Canyon, uh, went up uh, through like Wyoming and visited Devil's Tower, and then meandered our way through South Dakota and Minnesota and back to Wisconsin where uh, we helped take care of my brother for a little while. Um, at this point, John had been moved uh, at a certain point in the summer from Eau Claire to uh, Stevens Point, Wisconsin, um, where he lived. Actually, Plover, Wisconsin, the central part of the state. My parents were there. They were kind of leading the charge and taking care of him. Um, Kathy and I were like out traveling around, but making sure like we got back so we could help out too and and just be there. Um, and I think, you know, it was fun calling my parents and checking in and having John get on the phone and, and telling him about um, where we were adventuring at that particular time. Like he was lucid, he, he got it. And I think he was delighted by that. And I was delighted to tell him about it too. Like my spirit of adventure is very much informed by him. My spirit of travel, of moving, um, movement, the way I move comes from John in so many ways. I'll talk about that a little later. So uh, basically, we we were traveling the country in the RV. We went to Glacier National Park and back. That was amazing. One of the most magical places on earth. Um, and then in winter, we had to decide what we were going to do uh, with the RV. You know, we kind of wanted to hunker down for a while. Um, my parents decided they wanted to get back to Arizona where they lived. They didn't want to be in Wisconsin for the winter. And it was decided that my brother would accompany them. And he would move out of his apartment, basically, and just live the rest of his life in Arizona, sunny, warm Florence, Arizona. Um, And that's how they would do it, where they could all just be as comfortable as possible. Uh, Kathy and I decided to follow them out there, um, and we found a spot in nearby Apache Junction, Arizona, where we stayed uh, through the winter. Uh, We arrived on November 5th, 2010, my nephew Will's birthday. It was the day I, I, I had been like an on and off cigarette smoker and I decided I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to like, basically it was because I didn't want to like hide it from my parents anymore. That was the most stressful thing about it. So I decided, fuck it, I'm not going to do that anymore. So I decided on November 5th, the day we arrived in Arizona that I would smoke my last cigarette. So I smoked my last cigarette, a disgusting camel light in the driver's seat of that RV, which... We named after the submarine on the show Lost. We named it after the submarine on the show Lost, which was named after the video game that they played in their writer's room, Galaga. The RV was called Galaga, which was the site of the smoking of my final cigarette. 
<sighs> November 5th, uh, John passed away just two months later on January 5th. Um, yeah, that, that was something we had uh, been taking care of him. He had been slowly deteriorating and wasting away, uh, having, con- having more and more seizures, uh, more and more difficult seizures. Uh, eventually he just could subsist on like ice chips and wasn't really getting much nutrition into his system and his body shut down and, and he was gone. Um, the funeral was back in Wisconsin. Kathy and I rented a car and drove up there. Uh, that was that was that was kind of fun. Um, just that whole odyssey. Like he's finally gone. He's finally at peace. Like he's finally his spirit is free. And mind you, this is before I was into all the spiritual stuff. So um, I, it's hard to tap into exactly how he's, I was feeling about where where he was and what happened to him at that time, but. I know for a lot of us who were around him, it was, it, it, it was sad, but it was also freeing. Um, like this, this is over now. Um, it, it really did feel like he died on April 19th in so many ways. That's how my mom feels. Um, cause that, that was the end of a chapter. And then like his deterioration took another several months until January 5th, the following year. Um, so he made it to the new year. We watched the Rose bowl with him. Um, Gosh, and then we went back to Wisconsin for the funeral. It's so surreal. The Packers won the Super Bowl during this time. They were in the playoffs during this time and like really getting hot and beating all the uh, the teams they were not supposed to be beating on their way to getting to the Super Bowl. Kathy and I got back to Wisconsin and watched the Super or got back to Arizona and watched the Super Bowl in our RV. We had it parked uh, stationary all through the winter on an, on this couple's land where they had an RV spot set up with electricity and water and the uh, um, the the dump station so the uh, you know we could dump the uh, you know black water stuff like that <laughs> um, so anyway we, we watched the Super Bowl there my brother had just passed away and, and yet there's all this excitement and, and joy and euphoria surrounding the Packers which is such a big thing in my family um, while <laughs> all this is going on with my brother's passing so such a strange mix of emotions and isn't that just how it is every single time when stuff like this happens it's never all the good stuff all at once it's never all the bad stuff all at once um john was gone we're taking this rental car i think about different modes of transportation i think about movement with john uh, john and his big rig uh, he he was a he was a semi driver um uh, he was an engineer not a train engineer but he was like a mechanical engineer for a while and like he didn't really quite find his calling find his place but then he took some time to drive around the country in his car and and realized this is what i enjoy doing i like traveling i like moving around i don't like being static uh, so he went to school and learned how to be a, a, a big rig operator, and that's what he did. Um, there's the RV, Galaga, the motorhome. Um, there's hiking and walking and running. John taught me basically how to do these things. I remember going to this little ski hill in central Wisconsin with him where he taught me all these sort of half philosophical, half running slash uh, like hiking strategy things and in, in com- for competitive moments. Um, competitive situations or just life in general, like 
like work your way up the hill, work your way up the hill, really give it your all as you're going up the hill, because every, for every, every upward climb, there's a downhill and you climb uphill, you give it your all on the uphill, you, you give it all your effort. Then you can just coast, let just coast and let gravity do the work on the way down. Um, and there were so many people back in the in my high school days when I ran cross country and track. Uh, when I ran cross country, there there are no uphills in track, um, not not where I come from, at least. I don't know where you come from. Um, anyway, in cross country, anytime there was a hill, that's where I would pass the most people, just climbing up the hill, thinking of my brother John. Um, God damn, he taught. There are all these nuggets like that I think of from time to time when I think of my brother John. Um, modes of transportation, uh, taking the plane to Arizona with John, uh, the fact that it happened on Bicycle Day, um, man. And I think about all the places psychedelics can take you, um, like cannabis can take you places without moving. Psychedelics can take you places without moving. Like movement is so important. It's so important to me, and that's where John and I. Really, really connected. Um, John passed away January 5th, 2011. Uh, he was 53 years old. I uh, helped my mom write the obituary. Um, we settled back in, Kathy and I, to Galaga, the RV, uh, in January, watched the Super Bowl there, and uh, hung out there for uh, until April, April of 2011. April is such a big month in my life. Uh, April 2011 uh, was was there. We decided we were going to get out of Apache Junction, Arizona. Uh, we were there for my brother. We were there for my parents. Uh, but it was it was time to consider coming back home, coming back to Wisconsin. Kathy was eager to visit her family, who all lived back in Wisconsin, uh, and we were ready to start a new chapter. Um, big changes were coming. So my brother's gone. We're basically at this point, it had been it had been approaching a year uh, from April to April where we were in the RV. So what happens next? So, guys, I'm going to take another short break now. Stay tuned. I'm going to come back with segment two, where we focus on what happened after my brother, my sweet, sweet brother, John's passing. And after uh, we got the RV back to Wisconsin. Stay tuned, friends. I'll be right back. We're back. Welcome back to the Matt Collick Show. Today's story time edition of the program. Uh, we're talking about April, the month of April. We're talking about 10-year cycles. We're talking about uh, my my former companion, Kathy, and our adventures in an RV. We're talking about my brother, John, and his passing. Talking about psychedelics. Talking about how I came to New Mexico. Um Talking about getting into a fight with the neighbors. That's that's coming up. Um, and talking about how, how all these things tie together. Um, I just took a little break uh, to sip some water, um, have a bite of a Lara bar, um, and use the bathroom. I was reminded of how taking care of John in Arizona, it was largely just making sure he was safe. He wanted to stay as independent as possible for as long as possible. So he would often like hop out of bed in the middle of the night and attempt to use the bathroom and and be confused and uh, trip and fall and it it, uh, it was it was not a good situation and we couldn't like stop him uh, so I had to be stationed out 
next to his bed in the middle of the night so I could help him use the bathroom. Um, it was it was not fun work. It was not easy work, but I'll never forget it. And honestly, there were a few laughs involved, um, like trying to take care of your brother pooping and peeing. <sighs> it's 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 um, yeah, it's interesting stuff. I never thought I would end up doing that. Never thought that would be a part of my life. And, and, and gosh, there it was. Um, I was happy to do it, though. I'm glad I was there to do it. I'm glad I was there to help my parents out. Um, I just use the bathroom myself and I take that shit for granted. <laughs> take that shit for granted. Um, take that piss for granted. Um, I remember, God, I, I, I will never forget my dad showing me the routine with John and just the, the grace with which he was able to not only help his one son uh, use the bathroom with dignity in the midst of all that that's going on, uh, doing that while showing me how to take care of my brother and just kind of handling that. Like he's, he was a master of that. Um, he taught me what to do. He made John feel good. He made John feel like I was going to take care of him well. And I, I, I felt good about it. I felt like, and, and my dad just set me at ease. It was weird, like touching my brother's penis and shit. Um, my, my dad made it seem like no big deal. And God damn it. How does a person do that? How did my parents do that? Um, their oldest son, their, their, their boy that they got married because my mom was pregnant with him. Um, and now they're taking care of him and, and ushering him into the next phase of his life, his death. Um, God damn it. So I, th I think about my dad a lot and, and how he like really like that was my dad. That's my dad for you. That's Bill Colick for you. Um, we lost him just a few years ago. We're coming up on the three-year anniversary of his loss. So um, I, I wanted to mention that. That's kind of tying back into the previous segment about my brother John. So, um, yeah, taking care of John. So we left Apache Junction, Arizona on April 5th, 2011. Um, so long, Mom and Dad. Uh, here we go. Not sure what's going to happen. Not sure we're going to keep up this RV adventure. Uh, shit's pretty expensive. The lifestyle costs a lot of money, even if we're like just staying put. Um, but we don't want to stay put. That's kind of like that that's, defeats the purpose of it. Gas was like almost $4 a gallon, which seems crazy now that it's like $1.36 or whatever it is now in the middle of coronavirus season. Um, we had been having some troubles. I remember on the way to Arizona in November of 2010, um, there were some issues with the fuel pump and the thing would just like conk out and we'd have to pull over for like a half hour at a, at a time if it got too hot and it was a real pain in the ass and it had caused a lot of anxiety. Um, on the way uh, out of Arizona, there was a part of me, actually a pretty big part of me, the magical, mystical part of me that thought, um, well, it's not the magical, mystical part of me, that that part I believe in, but there was a, a fraudulent, magical, mystical part of me that thought, you know what, I bet that with the RV having sat for five months <laughs> in Arizona in the winter, I bet all the problems have gone away. Nope, they didn't. Uh, the thing broke down on us several times in between Apache Junction, Arizona and Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is where we decided, fuck it. We're going to get this thing fixed once and for all. 
we don't care how much it costs. We, uh, we're starting to think we're not going to live in the RV anymore. Anyway, it's too expensive. So might as well get the shit fixed so we can get safely back to Wisconsin and we can sell the thing and not have to like say, ah, yeah, but the fuel pump needs fixing and all that. So we happened to be in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, we remembered Albuquerque from driving uh, through it going to and from Wisconsin in the previous winter. And I remember, God damn, it's like nice here in January. It's like sunny with blue skies and like it, like people in their shirt sleeves and like everybody seems nice. Um, that was our experience in April of 2011. Also, um, we stayed at uh, Enchanted Trails RV Park out on the West Mesa, out on not even in the city, but we would drive it into town every day. Um, to get it fixed at this shop kind of in the industrial Wells Park area north of downtown Albuquerque. Um, and while it was getting uh, fixed in the shop, like we had to take it there like three or four consecutive days. And we ended up staying in Albuquerque for like another few days after that because we were just like walk around downtown and hang out. We saw like base camp for Breaking Bad filming. And um, it was just like a magical time in Albuquerque. And it really, that along with our experiences, like stopping to get gas or whatever, uh, back in January, along with the the amazing, stunning cinematography of Breaking Bad, kind of convinced us when we got back to Wisconsin that, fuck it, let's move to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, so that's, that's what we did. We went back to Wisconsin via Illinois. We stopped at the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum, which I recommend highly, highly, highly. Um, oh yeah, we also stopped at the, uh, before that, at the, uh, the Arch, the Gateway Arch in Missouri. I wonder what my friend Byron was doing that day as we, as we drove through, um, as we drove through Missouri in the Midwest. Uh, there were some terrible, like tornadoes that were sort of following us. Um, like we stopped in Joplin, Missouri. And then like the next day later, there was this terrible, ter uh, terrible tornado that took people's lives in Joplin, Missouri. And so that thing, it was just kind of this weird storm system, like seemed to be like 24 hours behind us as we moved up to Wisconsin. It was really, really strange. Um, we ended up hunkering down at Kathy's mom's place in suburban Madison, Wisconsin, over on the east side. Um, just getting fat, living super unhealthy, um, basically coming to terms with the fact that the RV journey is over. We need to make more money. Uh, the Odyssey with John is over. He's gone. Like I'm just feeling so much grief, but people are moving on. The world is continuing, and like I'm experiencing tons of anxiety and panic and not really knowing what to do with it. Um, like this relationship with Kathy is starting to get weird now that we're like settling in at her mom's place. Um, I'm worried about depending on her. I'm worried about like striking out on my own and living my own life and not being in this weird codependent relationship and not uh, wanting to like not depend on her. Um, I was kind of worried that for a while that she was going to insist on doing something on her own and I would just have to strike out on my own, even though I was desperate to somehow get out of this weird relationship that, you know, we would devolve into these awful, awful arguments and fights and just say the worst shit to each other. And I have never been like that in my life, but something about this relationship with her, and I, I bet she would tell you the same thing. Something about that relationship with me was just so toxic. And yet, and yet I depended on her so much. Um, that's, that's the way she made it. Um, that's the way she engineered this relationship. Um, 
And so I was happy to know that she was thinking about Albuquerque and thinking that we should go there together. So uh, we sold the RV for basically the same price that we purchased it for the previous year. Um, the previous year, it was a one-year odyssey, basically. Uh, we bought it for about $8,000. We sold it for about $8,000 to this couple who was going to like pack their stuff in it and kind of live in it as they took their time moving to uh, a new job in Seattle, I believe. Um, and then they were just going to have the RV for shits and giggles after that. So that was fun. I think it was, it was this guy, this Swedish, this uh, Scandinavian guy named Sven and Sven and his brother, like, um, Joseph or who knows came and picked it up. And like, they, they gave us the money orders and he had to, for some reason, like get, like there was a limit on the the dollar amount. And so we ended up with like 12 different money orders that were all signed by Sven, um, and then, you know, we shook hands and exited the RV and said goodbye. And then we kind of just watched from inside Kathy's mom's garage at the RV on the street. And like we thought, OK, let's go watch and, and put our arms around each other and just watch Galaga drive away for and then we'll say, <laughs> say our goodbyes. My God, that's so fucking sad. I'm just I'm tapping into the sadness right now as I think about it. So sad. I have. um Side note, on Galaga on the RV, we had one of those stickers in the window that has the outline of the the, the 50 United States. Um, and then when you visited a state, you get to put the sticker for the state in the outline for that state. Um, that's in the closet in the office here where I, I do the podcast. Um, gosh. That was that was uh, that was something. So we're standing there. We're, we're, we're waiting for them to drive the RV away so we can say goodbye. And they just don't fucking leave. They just don't fucking leave. Like 15 minutes goes by. Like uh, like we're smoking cigarettes and stuff. Okay, okay. What's going on here? Half hour goes by. Like a fucking hour goes by until they finally drive the thing away. They're probably just sitting in there like calling insurance and taking care of all the business. But Jesus Christ, you guys. Like drive a couple blocks away at least so we can have closure in the way we want it. Um, <laughs> that was that was weird. Um, Anyway, and that's I'll, I'll never forget that. Um, so the RV was sold. We had a little influx of money. We had kind of decided, OK, moving to Albuquerque, like I was doing all sorts of research on the city and, and like uh, not enough research, as it turns out, because of where we ended up. But uh, I was learning about it in the climate and like what's what's available for jobs and like. Just all that. And it was, it's all super, super exciting. And I thought, man, we're going to get involved in the film industry and be extras on all these TV shows and shit. Um, we bought a Honda Accord, rented um, a moving van, and we moved to New Mexico in the first week of June 2011. So we left, New Me uh, we left Arizona in April 2011. Uh, and then two months later, <laughs> here we are in New Mexico. So we packed up the truck, uh, towed the Honda Accord behind us. I think we made, let's see, we left on a Friday, uh, stopped in like Overland Park, Kansas that first night. It was very humid. Uh, the next night we stopped in, hmm, I don't remember. I don't remember where we were the second night, but we stopped again. And then we arrived in beautiful Albuquerque on the afternoon of the following Sunday, um, Basically, 
that was, oh yeah, that would have been the third. We left Wisconsin on the 1st of June. Uh, we arrived on the 3rd of June, which was a Sunday. We did not have a place to stay. We thought we would just drive <laughs> the, the moving van there and have the car and like drive around and look at places. Uh, we had to return the truck by Tuesday. So uh, we had to arrive in a completely, basically unfamiliar city, find a place to live and move in all within like two days. Great plan. Great plan, you guys. Uh, somehow it all worked, though. We found a place in Rio Rancho. Um, we couldn't believe how cheap it was to rent this two-bedroom house with a great view of the Sandia Mountains, uh, less than $900 a month. Like, what? Um, so that's what we did. Like, it was just such a relief to find a place. We knew we wanted to be in Albuquerque proper, but with the pressure of finding a place and just kind of wanting to get settled down, and then this place was just cheap and has this view of the mountains. So we said, fuck it, we're going to do it. So that's where we lived for a year. Uh, I lived in Rio Rancho, New Mexico for one year with Kathy. Um, that year in Rio Rancho was not a good one. That was not a good year. I think a lot about the um, the core of discovery, which is the the proper name for the the Lewis and Clark exp expedition, um, and how those guys like such fellowship. Um, everybody just got along so well, and they had their roles, and they worked so well together as an organism. Um, only one person from that group died um, of of appendicitis, of all things, on the trip. And then once the journey was over, everybody kind of went their separate ways and really tragedy befell so many of them. That is in, in, a, in a somewhat similar way what happened to Kathy and I's uh, relationship after we finished our RV adventure. We settled in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, which we quickly learned was not where we wanted to be. Uh, cheap as it was with the view of the mountains that we had, um, we didn't have a walkable neighborhood. We weren't close to anything. We weren't getting the experience of living in the Southwest or in, in New Mexico, the New Mexico, which is a very specific experience. Um, we weren't getting into the food. Kathy had these awful back problems, which that prevented her from like getting employment. And I had just started my job as a freelance writer. Uh, things were tough. Things were really tough. So we really couldn't even go out and do anything. And the relationship really, really strained. Lots of awful, awful fights and yelling and just, just being mean to each other. What is this? Like, I do not know this. I do not know this part of myself. I do not know this in relationships with people. Um, it was just completely fucking toxic. Um, God damn it. Just awful. While we were there in Rio Rancho, um, you know, there's just a lot of like cannabis use. Kathy really, um, depended on it, uh, like no judgment. She really, really depended on it with her, with her back and everything and with missing her family. And God, I really feel for her. She was in a tough spot. Um, and she wasn't getting along with this guy she moved to New Mexico with. And, you know, thinking about it now, yeah, I, I feel for her. Um, it was not right for us to be together like that. It was not right. Um, basically it was decided that, she was going to move back to Wisconsin, be with her family, and, and this was going to be it. Uh, once that was decided, basically things changed immediately. Like, we got along better than we had since the RV days, uh, those last couple months. Um, 
I was ecstatic because I found a way to get out of this toxic relationship without actually like confronting her or having the talks or setting actual boundaries like a like a healthy person would. I was able to just have her engineer me out of the relationship. Um, not healthy, but that's the way it was going. And oh, wow, we're actually getting along now and we're reckoning with with our shit now. Um, and things kind of healed a little bit as we like reckoned with our coming apart as, as companions. Um, I had found my, mis- my escape and I could stay in New Mexico. I could stay and I had decided that's where I wanted to be. I was like learning more and more about the city and, and what was going on around here and the possibilities with my life. I was uh, like eating right and getting into shape and losing tons of weight and like like feeling really good about myself and um, like playing guitar more. I actually sold a lot of my music stuff, but I was also like playing my acoustic guitar more and more. Um, so that was pretty cool. Just the old dumb nylon string thing that I, I got when I started, but it was just like, things felt good. It felt like this is, this is new beginnings. Um, I found an apartment in downtown Albuquerque, a, technically a one bedroom apartment, but just barely 400 square feet with this little shoebox of a living room. But it was my place. It was my one bedroom apartment. I was so proud and happy. Um, it was backed up into this, this dingy, uh, disgusting alley, but fuck it. It was my place. Um, didn't have a car. Kathy took the Honda Accord with her back to Wisconsin. Uh, but I lived downtown. I figured out the bus system. I worked from home. I, I was, I was happy. Things, things were good. Um, so basically we moved out of the house in Rio Rancho, said, said goodbye to that house, dropped all my shit off. Uh, loaded up the truck, dropped off all my shit at the place in Albuquerque, and then drove to Wisconsin, where um, we uh, dropped all of Kathy's stuff off in the car and returned the uh, moving van, the rental truck, and stayed at Kathy's daughter's house in the basement for a few days. Uh, my nieces were graduating from high school. My uh, nephew was graduating from college, so we 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 went to that party. Um, I saw my daughter and got to hang out with her for a while. I remember uh, people uh, like saying, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, you look good. Wow. Wow. That Southwestern living is really working out for you, huh? I'm like, yeah, yep. And I can't wait to get back out there. Um, At this time, like Kathy and I are really having a wonderful time. I remember we're watching like we were watching Mad Men at the time, which coincidentally is the show Annie and I are watching right now. Right now, Annie and I are in uh, the middle of season three of uh, my rewatch of Mad Men, her first watch of Mad Men. Kathy and I were like uh, getting towards the end. I think we were watching in real time. So it must have been like season four or five when Kathy and I were watching the show. Um, we watched it in the basement of her daughter's house. Um, yeah, yeah. And then eventually like, uh, we said goodbye to Kathy. Um, it was very sad. And I hitched a ride back to the Southwest with my parents. Uh, they were up for the graduation parties and ceremonies, and they were headed back to the Southwest via Albuquerque. And so I got a ride back to Albuquerque with them. I just mostly sat and cried on the way. I was worried about how I was going to be able to handle my life, how I was, I was able to take care of myself. Um, like, what, what's this going to be? Am I going to be able to make it? Like, I'm in my well into my 30s now. Uh, what, what's going on here? Can I do it? Can I, like, make enough money? Can I, like, be an adult? Like, a lot of worries, a lot of concerns, but also just so much excitement. 
Um, and I felt like, wow, this somehow this relationship with Kathy got to a place where it's not toxic anymore. Like we're going to like talk on the phone and just be friends and like I'll visit Wisconsin and she'll visit New Mexico. And um, and she got her own place. Um, she got a dog. Um, she got a, <laughs> this beautiful big dog, uh, like a German Shepherd uh, something mix that she called Coda, K-O-D-A is the name of the dog she got. And I was so, so proud of her and so happy for her. And she was like nurturing relationships with her family and her children. And like, it felt like things were, were in a pretty good, good place. Um, of course, red flags abound all, all over. When I visited Wisconsin, like there are all these weird struggles and shit around the amount of time I was going to spend with her versus spend with other friends versus spending with my family. And of course, there was no way for her to be satisfied with uh, the amount of time I spent with other anyone other than her. Uh, that was troubling. That was troubling. So I spent most of that trip to Wisconsin arguing with Kathy. That was bad. Uh, there was a trip. Uh, she uh, came on to New Mexico, which wasn't as bad as my trip to Wisconsin. Uh, it was on my turf. And that was a lovely time. But still, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I see why this doesn't work. I see why this doesn't work, why this is this is toxic. Um Eventually, you know, after talking to each other basically every day of the week, it was one of those relationships which, like, you hear that and, okay, you guys weren't romantically entwined uh, and you had to talk to each other every day and you're, like, not not related or, like, what's going on there? Um, it was like this weird, weird expectation that we would talk every day on the phone. And then we had a, a chat on the phone one day where it was we decided, and this was her idea, we decided that we didn't need to talk every single day. Um, that's not necessary. Let's just check in like once a week or, you know, when it, when it feels good. I was like, oh yeah, that sounds right to me too. I was actually thinking the same thing. What a relief. I'm so happy to hear that you, you and I agree on that. Like, yeah, we know we love each other we're here for each other. We'll check in when, when we need to, and everything is all good. Five days go by. I get a call from her. She's angry at me. She's yelling at me. She is hollering at me. She is shrieking at me about how I don't care about her. Um, it's Valentine's day, by the way, Valentine's day, 2012. Um, I had been living by myself in Albuquerque for a little while and, uh, things are or probably Valentine's day, 2013, as it turns out. Yeah, that's more like it. 2013. So I'd been living in Albuquerque by myself for a while. She had been living with herself uh, by herself for a little while, her dog Coda. Um, yeah, I believe it was 2013. And she calls and she's just furious and we're just yelling at each other on the phone and she's yelling over me. I'm yelling over her. And I just caught this thought in my head. I was, I noticed a thought where I thought, I don't have to do this anymore. I don't like this. This isn't serving me. This isn't doing any good for anyone. It's not doing any good for for the universe. Um, I don't have to do this. And so I just pulled the phone away from my ear and hit end. I just hit end. <laughs> um, and I didn't call her back. She called me back. Um, and I didn't answer. And that was it. That was it. That was the last time I talked to her. Uh, she sent like a couple texts here and there, like asking for like the old landlord in Rio Rancho's information. Um, so that was it. That was it for me and Kathy. And it was just relief. Um, 
I didn't feel bad about it. I didn't really feel sad about it. Like occasionally over the, the years that followed, like I'd feel like a little like, man, man, oh, Kathy. Eh. Like sometimes I'd get angry about her, angry about the time in my life that I spent living with her. And like, God, I'll never get those years back. The years in my like early 30s in this prime of my life, I'll never get those years back. So I got angry at her. I got angry at myself. Um, there were times when I felt softer. I felt uh, forgiveness and compassion for her. Um, it's just this weird mix and this weird jumble. And um, I knew, though, at the end of that relationship, when I hung up the phone on her, that this was it. I have done nothing wrong. I can go on with my life feeling feeling good about who I am and what I'm all about. Um, and honestly, life just kept getting better and better and better and better after that. Um, along the way, a couple of years after that, 2015, April of 2015, um, shit just always happens in April. I had my spiritual awakening. Um, impossible to not think of Kathy around this time. Uh, her birthday, of course, April 19th, she, uh, turned 60 yesterday. Um, you know, there it's April in these 10 year cycles, just a sidebar here uh, from three. And it's like from, it's all the three years for me from three to 13. It's sort of like my development, uh, um, and recognition of personhood and beginning to recognize my troubles, my depression, even before I knew what it was, I knew this is a thing I'm carrying with me that makes me different. Uh, that makes certain things more challenging. Uh, although I'm also different in ways that make me good at weird shit. Uh, from 12 to 23, a very successful suppression of the real me. Um, that period ended basically with me working a shitty, shitty job, having dropped out of college and having a, a daughter with someone who didn't want to have kids with me. Um, that was pretty bad. Uh, from 23 to 33, those are the shadow years, completely depressed, living a life of quote-unquote sin, just complete disharmony with others. That's when I was estranged from my family, uh, didn't have a relationship with my daughter, uh, was just getting fat, living an unhealthy life. Uh, no no judgment about like fat. I, I was just unhealthy. I was not eating right. I didn't care about myself. I was treating myself like a piece of shit, um, and I was ashamed of myself. Um, that's what marked those years. Um, that ended when everything happened with my brother, John, starting on April 19th, 2010 on Kathy's 50th birthday. Um, how about that? How about that? A new cycle is beginning right now. Now that I'm, uh, it's April in a year when I'm 43, a three year, um, I'm noticing myself, we've got this coronavirus thing happening. I just, I just dropped my podcast, the first podcast I've done since the blackout flash forward podcast that I did with my friend Kathy 10 years ago. Um, I'm giving fewer fucks than ever. I don't care about making my art accessible or palatable or, uh, or, or good for the marketplace. I just want to be me. I want to play my music with the windows wide open and express myself in a way I've never, I've never felt like this before. Something is happening here. Um, it feels fucking great and I can't wait to see where <laughs> this takes me. So, um, this is the 10 year cycle, uh, like 
it's really been a cycle of, of healing this last 10 years and, and, and discovering who I am, what I'm all about, what kind of relationships I want, what kind of relationships I don't want. Uh, the whole relationship with Kathy truly brought into relief who I am, who people and how I attract people like her. Um, that's not the first time I've been involved in situations where people like that have felt like they can have control over me and they are right because I'm just so willing to submit it. First, they come on by just being such a sweetheart, just, just treating me so well and making me feel so good about myself, making me feel so special. Um, but then they, I find that they use that to just keep me in their thrall, keep me in their circle, uh, keep me in their control. And, um, it becomes about trying to please these people to me. It becomes about, Ooh, if I can just make them happy, then things will settle down and we can all be happy. This friends is codependency. Um, this relationship, um, with Kathy, that's, that made me aware of that. And I am, <laughs> I am not going to get into a relationship like that again. And boy, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Um, so that's where I'm at today at age 43, um, where bicycle day 2020 happened yesterday. It's 420, 2020 today, 2020, 2020. Um, and, and, and here we are. I'm excited about this new cycle. I'm going to take another short break. I'm going to come back with another segment and we're going to tie all this stuff up in, in a, in a nice little bow. Okay. I'll be right back friends. I had uh, I had fun making that bumper music. I, I did like five of those little little things just to like little eight bar, 30 second, 20 to 30 second segments of music just to put between segments of the podcast. I hope you enjoy them. I, I kind of want to do a few more of those. That was like one of the first things I did for the podcast months and months ago before I even interviewed anybody, I think. Uh, so anyway, uh, Fiona Apple, I was talking about her new album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters earlier on her other, on another album of hers, her most recent album prior to this new one, 2012's The Idler Wheel. She has a song called Werewolf. Um, I was thinking of a line of, from that song and, uh, and my, my old friend Kathy and that song in that song, Werewolf, she says nothing wrong with when a song ends in a minor key, um, it's not about where the relationship ends. It's where uh, the relationship took you. It's all the places you were. It's the, it's the totality of it. It's not about the ending. The ending is just another aspect of it. It doesn't have to re be remembered for its ending. So I remember my relationship with Kathy uh, pretty fondly, actually. Uh, we had a lot of fun adventures. She was there for my brother John's passing. Uh, I couldn't have gotten through it without her. Um, she taught me a lot. She taught me about how to be a good, uh, a good domestic partner, which I'm so proud of today that I am in my relationship with Annie. Um, I learned a lot about that from her and by like making food for her and hanging out with her. And like, that was a way I could pull my weight in the relationship where she was basically supporting us both. Um, so I became a really good domestic partner there. And, um, even though it was not a romantic partnership, I, I, I felt good about being able to do that and being good at it, uh, and, and learning that skill, which I carry with me today. Nothing wrong with when a song ends in a minor key. So, ah, life is good. Life, life is pretty good these days for me personally. Of course, there's always light and dark, always light and dark, but 
I'm excited about what the things that are happening now and where and where things are going. Um, things are happening. The more I am myself, the more things improve. I've noticed. I've made my peace with Kathy and, and those memories I talked about. I, I've moved on. Life is good. I feel like I've healed. I've stopped so many old patterns, and I've given myself a chance to live a healthy, rich, fulfilling life. Um, I had this spiritual awakening in 2015 that really was a game changer. It, it really kind of pulled into focus everything that needed to come into focus about who I am, how my mind operates, what paths my <laughs> my brain tends to take. Um, I was able to kind of erase those paths and create a bunch of new ones. Um I started writing songs again. I started playing shows. Now I'm doing the podcast. I've got a blog. I'm presenting myself authentically to the world. Um, things are really good. I've got this amazing partner, Annie. Um, I've got an amazing relationship with 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 her and, and her family. And like it's real, real, unconditional love that goes both ways. And we support each other and we we love each other and we we help each other achieve our dreams and we are so much stronger together. Uh, then we would be apart, and it's it's really it's it's so powerful how much this relationship we are in together multiplies and reinforces, and uh, it's just so exciting to be where I'm at in this life, to be where I'm at in my relationship, and to have learned all the lessons I've learned. Um, and I think about I think about my brother John and how much he has influenced my life and how much those lessons he taught me about about running and moving have influenced the way I I approach life and the way you know I think my brother John was hiding some things in his life I think he took on a fundamentalist religious stance because he didn't like certain things about himself. Um, I don't want to be that way. I'm not saying that's what precipitated his, his brain cancer. Um, but I don't think it was healthy. I don't think it was healthy that he, he, he substituted this fundamentalist, this fundament Christian fundamentalism for an honest, um, assessment and, and acceptance of who he actually was. Um, so it's, it's so, it's so complicated. Like I love my brother so much and he taught me so much, but he also taught me that I don't want to suppress myself. I want to be authentic. I don't want to take this Midwestern attitude of just keeping your nose down and not making too big of a fuss about like, no, no, I, I need to express myself. Fuck it. We all die. We all fucking die people. Why are we doing anything but living our most authentic lives? Come the fuck on. So yeah, these are these are the things I think about in my life, and these are the ways those relationships with John and Kathy kind of still inform me and and teach me to this day. Um, last summer, I reconnected. I mentioned my old friend Byron before. He's uh, he he is the owner and proprietor and and CEO, founder of Byron Amplification. Visit ByronAmplification.com. He builds some of the world's finest hand built tube amplifiers from his shop in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, he also makes amazing guitar pedals, which I just got my first one. I'm embarrassed to say I only have one of them. Uh, it's the bow drive pedal, which is an emulation. Basically it's his take on the Klon Centaur pedal. Uh, it's sort of a drive 
pedal, a clean boost pedal, and it's amazing. Like I'm going to use it on every, it's, it's all, it's the electric guitar parts on the theme song for this podcast. Uh, that's like, they went through the bow drive first before they went to anything else. And that's why if it sounds good, that's why, um, Anyway, Byron, I, he has a festival in Columbia, Missouri that he puts on that, that benefits local charities. Uh, it's called Byron Fest, and he invited me to play Byron Fest 2019, which I did. Annie and I packed up the car and drove to the Midwest, and I brought my guitar. Um, I saw Byron for the first time in like 25 years. We were friends in like middle school uh, and like met up again when we were like 18 or 19, something like that, after he had moved back to Missouri from Wisconsin. He had only lived there briefly with his family, but we kind of stayed in touch off and on. And it turns out uh, he, he has said to me that me as a guitarist, a musician, and a person involved with music, he said I was very influential on him, which, my God, there has never been, uh, there there have been few more heart-opening moments in my life than, than hearing that from Byron, this person who makes all this amazing gear and plays in like three different bands and is like a pillar of his music community where he lives. Um and I and I lust after his gear that I had anything to do with him pursuing that path is is wow. Thank you, Byron. So I, I played Byron Fest. I connected with Byron. Um, and that was amazing. It was so great to see him uh, and so good to perform there and to be like, fuck, I wear my jumpsuit there and I'm with Annie and like everything is coming together in such an amazing way. Um, and I'm so excited about this music career I have going. There's frustrations. Um, and I'm sad my brother can't see it. I'm sad my dad can't see it happening, but it's like, eh, fuck it. I'm there. They have become a part of me. So they're seeing it all through my eyes. Um, God, it's so interesting. Um, there are like no troubling memories of John. I talked about, yes, it's frustrating to know that in, in my mind, he was not living his most authentic life, but Jesus, he was just, he's just this light that lives in us now. Um, I visited my sister, we, Annie and I visited my sister on that same trip to the Midwest after Byron Fest, and we, we saw her for like a day or two. Um, and that was great, just connecting with her about everything and, and re- remembering John and, and just... He's always reminding us to do, to be a good person, be the better person, do the right stuff. Um, Like John visited me one time in Wisconsin when I was estranged from everyone else. And it was like, there was this huge snowstorm and we were walking to go get a beer or something somewhere. And there was this car trying to pull out of its parking spot. It was snowed into and I was just going to keep walking. But John said, no, 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 come on, let's go help them out. And so we got behind the car and pushed it out of the snowbank and it felt great. And like to John, that was just like the doy of course of course you do that to me it was like oh god then i'm gonna i'm gonna have to talk to that person and then they're gonna um which is like that that's god (laughs) i hate like that's that's how my mind tends to work which is why i do the meditation and all that kind of stuff but um i think about john a lot in in those ways um yeah so we talked to uh stacy and we we made this crazy crazy odyssey back to New Mexico from uh, the Midwest after visiting my sister this past summer, back in July. Uh, We drove straight back from Omaha, Nebraska to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and got back at like four in the morning, unpacked and just just conked out in bed. Um, I basically slept for the next like 12 hours or whatever. Uh, Kind of uh, woke up. Um, it It was warm. I grabbed my phone and I noticed I had a text message. Um, It was a text message from an unknown number. 
and it said, um, hi, Matt, this is Heidi, Kathy's daughter. Um, I'm not reading the text now. I'm paraphrasing. She said, my mom died. Um, so that's how I learned Kathy, my former companion, my RV buddy, my lost buddy, um, the person who showed me about relationships and codependency and, and how to be a good domestic partner, my, my companion, my partner, my, this, this person who has influenced my life, like they're in the top three most influential people in my life. She died. She died. She had a rare form of cancer um, and passed away. Her daughter said she, uh, she had thought about reaching out to me in the final days, but there just wasn't time. It just wasn't time. So yeah, that's uh, that's something. That's something. Um, so that was surreal. That afternoon, waking up after the Odyssey in the Midwest, and just feeling so good about where my life had has taken me to. Like, yes, here you are, but there's also like, don't forget about this. Don't forget about this part of your life too. Because I'd kind of kept Kathy relegated, relegated and confined to a part of my mind that I rarely visited and rarely talked about and rarely showed anyone else. Um, just did the just did the bare minimum to to keep it alive and to keep it keep it healthy and to revisit it from time to time. Um, so where does that bring us? It brings us to a place where. Here we are in Rona season. It's April again. It's a three year, which means it's extra significant and substantial. Things are shifting in a huge fucking way. Um, I'm in the middle of this music and podcasting career, which is all of a sudden really fucking taking off. I'm just going to have a sip of water here. Hang on. Ah, yes. Considering how to land... How to land this plane. Uh, we're getting to the end here, friends. We're getting to the end. We're going to wrap it all up. So right now, I'm I'm here in Albuquerque with Annie, the love of my life. We're together forever. Um, I feel so good about myself, so confident, and yet there's so much dark and light. I, I have no reason not to move forward as the most authentic version of myself. Uh, why should I try to please anyone else? Why? Why? Be like Fiona Apple. Be like Fiona Apple. I feel really good about where I'm at. It's... um. It's impossible, though, to be here without having gone through where I've been. Uh, yesterday was 419, Bicycle Day, Kathy's 60th birthday, uh, the 10-year anniversary of John's incident, the 10-year anniversary of my first bad mushroom trip, um, like very close after the five-year anniversary of the mushroom trip I had after, <laughs> after, after that bad mushroom trip, the first trip I took after that bad mushroom trip where I had my spiritual awakening, uh, where everything changed. Um, Kathy would have turned 60 yesterday. Um, it was so charged, um, yesterday too, like holy shit, real big things are happening. And it was charged largely because I got into a fight with the neighbors. That's right. Me, Matt Collick, got into a verbal confrontation with the next door neighbors. This uh, older woman who lives with, um, she basically has a son or daughter who is partnered and married and they have a couple of kids. Excuse me. And I believe they all live together. 
they have a dog who lives next to our house, basically. They, they keep her chained up in this really, really confined, small, uncovered area next to where they have their swamp cooler hanging down on the side of their house, um, which is right next to our house. And they keep her in, in there uh, living in her own shit. They never clean it up. Uh, the dog is never brought inside. The dog is left to cry and whimper and suffer out there. There's barely room for her to lie down and sleep. Uh, we wake up to her barking, constantly wanting to be let in. I think she thinks we're the ones who can let her in, but we'd have, we, we can't, we can't do that. Um, and I've been feeling really irritable about that dog, um, and the way they take care of her and the way we are the ones who always have to deal with this, this dog's barking and crying and whimpering. Like they are like, I came home Friday. Um, was it Friday? Yes. No, no, no. It was Saturday, Saturday, the 18th. And this is where like things are really brewing Saturday, the 18th. I went to the dispensaries to stock up for 420, which is today. I got all my supplies. I got my blue dream and I got home and I noticed my neighbors next door were all sitting out, enjoying family time in the yard and barbecuing and blowing bubbles. Meanwhile, that poor dog is locked up and barking and crying on the side of the house. And I'm the only one who can hear her. I had been thinking about confronting these neighbors for some time. Uh, Annie actually talked to the woman who lives there about a year ago about the dog, and she apologized and said they would do a better job. Um, and that lasted for about a month, and then it was back to business as usual. So Saturday, I get back from the dispensary. I want to have a chill time. I want to work on the podcast. I want to do cool stuff. And this dog is, this poor, poor, poor animal is barking and crying. And meanwhile, the people who are, who are her caretakers are just living, living their best life on the opposite end of the yard where they don't have to hear her. Um, I went over to the fence and I said, Hey, Hey, you, your dog over here. What are you doing about her? Why are you neglecting her? Why, why do you let her live in her own shit? That would be a good first step. Start cleaning up her shit. I have to fucking smell it every time I'm in the shower because that's where they keep the dog and where the dog defecates is right outside our, outside our bathroom window. Um, I kind of came in hot. I have to admit, I came in kind of hot. Um, but the second I mentioned their dog, they started fucking yelling at me, came, became immediately hostile. The old lady, the old woman who lives there, who I've never really interacted with, but she's interacted with Annie and she's just been pleasant and kind and nice and she waters her flowers. She yelled at me. She hollered at me. We don't complain about your strumming. Doing her best air guitar moves as she did that. As if, as if my strumming, which by the way, I do my strumming on an acoustic guitar, uh, usually between one and five in the afternoon on the opposite side of the house from their house with all the windows and doors closed so as not to bother them. I'm being so fucking considerate to them and they're complaining about me strumming my acoustic guitar while they're neglecting and abusing an animal that I have to hear cry, that I have to hear whimper, that I have to... Whose shit I have to smell and you're bothered by my acoustic guitar? Okay, sure. Call the cops. Call the authorities on my strumming lady. Come on. 
Um, so that made me feel a certain way. Uh, there was just a lot of yelling back and forth. The, uh, the son or the son-in-law approached the fence and started complaining about how he was going to kick my ass because I was swearing around his kids. Um, dude, if you want to set a good example for your kids, take care of that animal. Take care of that living being who I can count its vertebrae through her back, uh, through the skin on her back. She's so well taken care of. And they were hollering at me about how they take good care of the animal and they, she's not abused. Oh, no, no. Um, seconds later, what are they doing? Cleaning up her poop and bringing the dog inside. And they've been model caretakers of this animal in the 48 hours since. Um, I did call Animal Welfare and uh, they visited and they'll be making additional visits. So um, moral of the story is... Uh, I don't care what kind of asshole I have to be if it means the neighbors are going to take care of their animal. Um, and I realized it's okay to be the villain. I, I can be that person if I need to be, and it's okay. I can still be a spiritual person. And thank goodness I'm a spiritual person and I meditate. It's not that I'm a meditator and I'm a spiritual person. Therefore, I am always calm. I am always chill. There's no confrontation, no drama. No, 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 no. It's the other way around. There is all that tension, that, uh, that anger, that, that, that heat in me, um, that those feelings about other people who like abuse animals and stuff like that. Um, now that I'm mindful, I have more control over my emotions, even though I got a little hot yesterday and maybe didn't handle it exactly as well as I could have. I have no regrets whatsoever. Um, I was able to get back to my normal heart rate. I was able to enjoy my evening. I was able to appreciate the fact that they were taking care of the space where they keep their animal and cleaning up its feces and perhaps giving it um, a nice place to live, at least for a little while. Uh, ultimately, it would be nice if we could get that animal out of there and to an owner who will take better care of her. Um Holy shit. So yeah, I got into a confrontation, which is something I don't do. The, the, I feel embarrassed that I hadn't said anything sooner, but I was just like, uh, Annie and I, oh my God, I almost called her Kathy. <laughs> Annie and I uh, were so afraid of confrontation or so un, uninterested in having confrontation. It's amazing. Like the lies you'll tell yourself or the, what you'll tell yourself just to be able to maintain the illusion that your neighbors are good people, just to be able to maintain that illusion of harmony. Um, I should have done something long ago. We should have brought it up long ago. We shouldn't have let it happen like this, but it's, it's like you want to believe your neighbors are good people. Um, and I bet for the most part, they are good people. I'm sure they're, they have like wonderful family memories and traditions and they, they probably donate to good causes and stuff like that. But that be, <laughs> that can be, and also it can be true that they're shitty animal owners. Um, Jesus, thank God I'm a spiritual person, but that I'm, I, it doesn't mean that I'm just chill and open and easygoing all the time. No, it means that sometimes I recognize that for the greater good, I need to be the villain. I need to be the righteous villain. And that's what I did. <laughs> that's what I did on Saturday. And I, God, I'm like jazzed about it. I feel good about it. I can't wait for them to, uh, I'm excited about playing music later today, uh, with the windows open and the doors open and just letting it flow. And like, yeah, yeah. Complain, complain about me playing my music, complain about me playing my music. I dare you. I dare you bring it on. Um, I give no fucks anymore. I feel amazing. I am aligned. I am harmonious. Um, I'm in the best relationship of my life. Uh, things couldn't be better. Um, 
And yet there is light and dark. There's light and dark. <sighs> so that was the fight I got into <laughs> with the neighbors. Um, God, I used to care so much about what other people think. You know, in the past, I might have taken her comments about my strumming to heart, um, about me playing music and thought, oh, shit, yeah, she's right. I probably should quiet it down. Now I'm like, nope, I, you know what? I am not doing anything wrong. Like I do so much to be considerate to those clowns and they don't give a shit. So fuck it. I'm just going to do my thing. There's nothing wrong with me expressing myself in the afternoon playing music. Um, if people are expressing themselves with their, with their leaf blowers, um, and their neglected dogs, I'm not going to feel bad about expressing myself through my music. So, ah, Ooh, so many feelings, so many, uh, cycles, God, these 10 year cycles, the cycles I'm experiencing right now between this, uh, this sort of, uh, mania and low grade depression and everything that's going on. It's just such a ride. And, um, gosh, I sure am glad you're, you're here. Um, I'm so happy I did what I did for, for, for the dog across the way. Um, John would have appreciated it. I know Kathy would have appreciated it too. I'm going to take another quick break. Uh, there's just one more quick segment before I, I wrap it up uh, for real this time and uh, leave you. <laughs> wow, I can't believe we're, we're getting through this. Um, I'll be right back, folks. Stick around. Okay, okay. The Matt Colic Show is back. The Matt Colic Show is back. Um, I've had some water. Uh, yeah, I feel good. Took some breaths. Uh, I noticed the time. It's it's almost 3.30 p.m. It's 3.29 p.m., which means we're 51 minutes away from 4.20, and I want to release this thing by 4.20 p.m. Uh, it's going to be heavily unedited, I think, if, uh, because it's very important for me to get it out by that time. Uh, that's exciting. I wonder what crazy shit I'm going to leave in. Uh, write me and, and let me know what, what you think is the craziest shit I left in this episode. Uh, if you want to reach me, that's Matt at MattCollick.com. <laughs> so anyway, um, here's sort of the epilogue. Here's the, here's the coda to the story, as it were. Um, all this stuff with my brother John, Bicycle Day, Psychedelics, 420, my friend Kathy, the adventures in the RV, getting to New Mexico, um, these neighbors and the fight with the neighbors, um, that poor dog confined. And I mentioned that the same way I keep myself confined. I mentioned the same way I keep my artistry, I have kept my artistry confined, the same way I keep my difficult memories and experiences confined. Um, I, I mentioned the memories of Kathy and my life with Kathy as my companion. I kept those confined. I basically kept those in an area of my brain that's no different from the area where my neighbors keep their poor dog. Um, I ke I've, kept, I've kept certain things walled off. I don't want to do that anymore. Um, and I think about that dog next door and how we can liberate her Um I think about her. I think about my brother, John, and I, I wish I could liberate that dog. And I wish John could be the person who took that dog. He would be the perfect caretaker. That would be so amazing. But that's impossible to ha have happen in this timeline anyway. But um, that dog reminds me of my own mind. Um, 
And that dog has reminded me of Kathy. And this time reminds me of Kathy. And this energy reminds me of all these 10-year cycles and all the cycles I'm going to through. Here in the coda of story time with Matt, we remember that Kathy got a companion after me, a dog that she named Coda, who she named Coda. Friends, that dog who lives next door that I fought for the other day, that dog who lives next door that I mentioned to you in the Coda of this podcast, that dog's name also Coda. And so that's where we end it today. Ah, well, (laughs) that was fun. The coda, the coda. God, I just took all these notes and just spilled them all out over the last couple of days. And then before I sat down to record, I thought, man, I'm going to try to organize these in the best way possible. So that's it. I I think that's all I got, you guys. I'm going to start fading up the theme song now. Uh, Somehow we got this in in under two hours. That feels pretty good. Um, probably going to make this a 128 KBPS kilobytes per second file instead of a 256, um, just to keep the file size down. The audio quality will, will be just fine. Uh, yeah. Recording here with the Audio Technica AT2020 microphone, the same microphone Kathy and I used to record the blackout podcast. Uh, God damn, we've come full circle. I hope you guys are having a great 420. I hope you had a great bicycle day. I hope you felt the feelings. I hope you're safe. I hope you're washing your hands and and staying in as much as possible and just being smart about it and doing what you can to take care of yourself. Um, You don't have to do anything. We are surviving a goddamn pandemic right, right now. That's all we have to do. Anything else is gravy. So really what we can do is take care of ourselves and then plant the seeds. Plant the seeds for... When the new world emerges, what do you want that to look like? How do you want that to look outside of yourself? Um, But more importantly, how do you want that to look inside yourself? Because how it looks inside yourself is what's going to be projected outside. Um, The world you want to live in is the one you create inside your mind. Remember that. So yeah, with that, uh, again, my name is Matt Colick. You've been listening to The Matt Colick Show, episode five. Please go back and if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, uh, episodes one, two, three, and four. Episodes two, three, and four feature interviews with musicians I love. Um, check those out, please. Visit the website, mattcolick.com. Sign up for the email list. Uh, you'll get updated on all the stuff there. I'm releasing an album soon. It's going to be called, uh, it is called Microorganism, and... It's fucking amazing. I can't wait to share it with you. Um, It's been, I I conceived it like less than a month ago. Um, Oh, about a month ago when all the shit started going down. And it is my quarantine album. It is my coronavirus album. And it just happens to be the first album I'm going to release. Uh, So follow me on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. Um, That way you'll be informed when the new music is released. Right now, my first single is is out there. It is the theme from the Matt Collick Show podcast. So... Uh, stream that, follow me on all the streaming services, download the song, visit the website, uh, become a patron, won't you? Uh, that's where you can really support me and and make sure the podcast keeps going at, at, at a high quality and that I get the guests and that I can spend time on the production and that I can maybe upgrade to some better gear in the future. Uh, if you have the means to support me, how amazing, really, and, and I believe this honestly, it is enough that people listen and support me that way and visit the website and, and, and do all that. But really, enough, enough that you listen. If you do feel compelled and you feel something in your heart that makes you want 
want to uh, support me at an even greater level, consider becoming a patron of mine. Uh, you can do so for as little as $1 a month, uh, but $5 a month gets you a lot of cool podcast extras specifically. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash Matt Colick. That's patreon.com forward slash M-A-T-T-K-O-L-L-O-C-K. Uh, that's all I got today, folks. Um, again, have a great 420. I'm going to uh, edit this thing, release it, and then I'm going to burn one down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then I'm going to play some sweet, sweet music for the whole neighborhood. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the story, story time today. Let me know what you think. Send me an email at matt at mattcollick.com. Uh, this has been the Matt Collick Show. I'll hit you with another episode next week. No idea what that one's going to be about. Uh, so stay tuned. All right. Bye-bye.